Shalom, weirdos and witches. It is I, your host, Keats Ross. This is the Prague Magic Podcast, and I will keep this short and sweet because the following conversation is quite extensive. Um, it has truly been a privilege to host Saraf the Mage. Uh, not only are his dabblings in audiomancy and spellcraft via his Saraf the Mage uh, experiment YouTube channel, or his video casting, podcasting with the eclectic crew of The Lost Word, Saraf and I are very, very similar in that we both have overcome dark pasts with the aid of magical praxis. In this discussion, we will chat about our dark desert days, our continual but fluctuating beliefs of the unseen realms, our excitement and criticisms of current culture, which seems to be a common thread with these recent episodes, uh, the use of media magic, dead geniuses, and their problematic roads, and what that would mean for our current kind of outrage culture. Uh, But I think most importantly, we discuss magic as redeemer. Uh, Before I go, I want to thank my patrons, uh, new and old, from Baz of the Lost Word podcast, Alex Bowen of the Alex cast, Eric Arneson of Arnomancy, Derek Hunter of Love Chaos, uh, Vanessa Kindle, Charm the Water. I want to thank all of you for your continual support. And uh, that's it. Um, So Slither Hither, Weirdos and Witches, you're about to view and or hear uh, the conception of what I believe to be a long and wondrous international friendship with the new We the Hallowed Haunt, Mr. Sadoth the Mage. Stay corny 2020 and haunt on. Let's start, where, where are you located right now? Let's, let's get where I'm that is. I'm in uh, Aberdeen, Scotland. Nice. Which is a, a beautiful sort of, uh, it's kind of on the same latitude as Moscow, so it's very cold. It's mostly made out of granite, so it's very grey. They call it the Granite City or the Silver City, but, I mean, it's just... It's it's quite a depressing little place, to be honest. It's my hometown. Never quite got up the momentum to get out of here. That's and, beautiful. Uh, and that's in part due to problems I had as, uh, you know, in my early 20s, drifted into some serious drug abuse, mm-hmm. heroin addiction, crack cocaine, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So my origin story is uh, we could begin it last, I mean, where does it start? The first book on magic I ever got was out of my high school library. It was uh, David Conway's Occult Primer when I was about Mm -hmm. 14. And I read about this fantastic world, the astral plane, and it seemed so separate and it seemed a place that only mediums or, or clairvoyance or someone with some kind of talent like that. So I, I read it assiduously, but I never thought I would actually become a magician. Right. So like this was just kind of a peripheral want. Were you always a spiritual type person? Were you always a seeker? I would, uh, it's difficult to say. I was always a very bookish young child. Right. You know, I spent a lot of time just reading, reading, reading. Like James Herbert was the first author I really got into when I was, oh God, possibly preteen. Then I moved on to Stephen King. I loved Hammer Horrors. I had a. Oh, yeah. Hammer yeah. Horror uh, for me, and it just summed up all that sort of gothic women with big breasts and right. sexiness, you know, when you're just becoming an adolescent. You're not quite sure what sex is. But you, you know it's kind of there. Star Trek mm-hmm. also is quite uh, erotic for me. 
So it makes sense then that the occult would be, you know, something very tasty to you. Oh, because absolutely, it, it is, yeah. You know, this hidden kind of ideology and stuff. It's so that it started scary. with that book. Yeah. And I think also I really wanted, I think I was um, dying to grow up. I wanted to grow up really fast because the kids around me seemed like they were so young. And I, I was really interested in girls at a very early age. I was very into music. And it just like, I wanted to be a teenager long before I was a teenager. And I also discovered like my granddad had a, a big radiogram. I've got very fond memories of my grandparents, like my maternal grandfather pretty much brought me up. And he had a big radiogram and I discovered one special record. And it was a Rolling Stones record through the past darkly. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was listening to that. I was, I was going to see Greece like uh, twice a day in the summer holidays dying to be a teenager and dying to get out of my mundane little child world, you know? Yeah. I mean, already I see the parallels between us pretty consistent. It's amazing. It makes me think too, this idea of needing to grow up fast, um, that probably led to maybe the issues that we both had in our early twenties and yeah. coming of age, because we didn't have our childhoods early. No, no. My dad was a major alcoholic. He was a he was a captain in the merchant navy, but he would be away for like six months, and then he'd come back, and there'd be all kinds of chaos in the house. So, and yeah. I had to also look after my little brother. So I did have kind of adulthood forced upon me in many ways. Yeah, I was also what we call a latchkey kid. Yeah, yeah. The, the kid that walks home alone and takes care of the siblings. Yeah, so I I absolutely yeah. read you on that one. But uh, it makes us stronger, you know. Yeah, and I mean, that's pretty much the crux of what I want to talk to you about because after watching your videos, I always ascertain that we kind of come from that same ilk. And it does, I think, begin with outsiderdom. It does begin with, you know, feeling uh, out of place, maybe out of time, out of mind, you know? Absolutely, and I, I recognize that in your videos as well. I have to say, I, I thought there's a there's a brother from another mother right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Strange ilk, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, not to say we're hugely intelligent or creative, but we seem to be reasonably intelligent and creative. And, you know, I think it's it, the internet that has brought us together. You know, we're, we're little isolated souls in these one-horse towns, and now... Uh, just in the last five or six years, there's like an internet community building and people are connecting with each other. And I think that's really interesting. And that's part of the reason I started the channel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been great. Uh, I think you contacted me. Um, it's been a while now. I mean, we've been wanting to do this for so long. And I apologize. I've had just the craziest month and a half or so. But I've really always really, in, like I found your your work to be endearing. I've always felt that it was, there's a large sea of, of things once you get into this line of thought, right? There's a large group of maybe nefarious bad actors and, and yeah, weird, you know, weird intentioned people. And uh, it's been like, just, it's been nice to know that you, you've got an honest voice among them. Well, absolutely. That's that's one of the main things. That's another reason why I started the channel was, you know, I saw a lot of um, kind of occulty magic videos where it just didn't seem realistic to me. These guys are summoning up demons like that, yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> evoking their, their bros and, you know, they're giving 
it's just bullshit, man. You know, there's so much bullshit out there. It's just, you know, I want to give a more um, nuanced view of magic because it's a very subtle thing, you know. You don't right. have demons appearing in puffs of smoke when you do a ritual. It's a very psychological process. Right, yeah. In I fact, wondered... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, in fact, I would say it's... I'm getting to the point where I'm almost dismissing the whole idea of anything existing. Now, this is a temporary phase, a switch beat on this every day. But I really i am doubting the, the existential existence of, like, spirits and demons that live in this other place. Mm-hmm. I really do think they're all parts of our psychology in some way. Honestly, that's where I've been. I, I had to take some time off in the past month and a half to kind of reconstitute myself within this because um, it's not dissimilar to spiritual burnout, but it's kind of a lot there. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it almost is spiritual burnout after listening to these people and, you know, understanding that I know less and less as more, as more I know, the more I know, the less I know, the less I know. Yeah, has yeah, been like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, at 16, I thought I knew everything. I could explain God, the universe. And right. the, the more you actually learn, the more you realize, Jesus, I know nothing at all. And that's why I don't want to come at things as a teacher or an expert, God forbid. I'm just a, a, a chaotic experimentalist. Right. You're a practitioner, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And... Well, I was going to say with the other point, with the idea that, you know, this is, I I said this in podcasts before, that it is essentially, it's a good uh, psychological, you know, recalibration. This stuff is great for that. Um, And I think sometimes at the end of the day, that's all you need it to be. And I think once you get through the waves of people who, really like the pomp and circumstance of the dog and pony show, as we say here, of, you know, I had sex with the demon, you know, and it was, and it was real and whatnot. I mean, it's, there's, there's a place for that. And I do, I don't want to discount people's experiences, but that has not been mine. No, absolutely not. And, you know, you you know, it gets views. I presume it gets some loads of money, but are they just, are they just bullshitting? Like, Famous bullshitters from other, you know, like the conspiracy world. I've, I've got a bit of a tie-in with a lot of the guys from this uh, skeptical, um, like CW Chanter and guys like that. Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I've been following CW so, for a bit. Yeah, so exposing bullshit's a lot of what I'm about as well. You know. Yeah. I want to. I want to give people a real idea of the occult because when I came into it, I thought, why can't I astrally project and like, uh, you know. The, the ideas, even that book, that first book, uh, The Occult Primer, gave me the idea that the astral plane was a completely separate place. It was like entering a room. You'd know when you were in there. Right. But more and more, I'm beginning to realize that it's all about the power of imagination and the power of creativity. So now as someone like myself, an ex-drug you know, drug addict, just to be blunt about it, um, maybe too, we're right? always still drug addicts, but you know, that's not in my realm anymore. But I often think back at that. That's kind of what formed me and what helped me get where I am in weird, sadistic ways, maybe, but still to be true. You know, I wonder if why we need to take more of a realistic and honest approach because, in a way, we have been numbing 
the psychic senses for so long. We know what it's like to be completely, you know, either, either out of our mind or completely docile in a weird way. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think um, possibly we use drugs to try and find that um, that kind of other world, you know. Yeah. I used to always fantasize when I was a, a child. There was a, a, a lane. It was a beautiful sort of, it was covered in, you know, just something out of like Narnia, which books I loved. And there was uh, Jamie in the Toll Booth as well, where uh, a flesh and blood person would just enter this cartoon world. And taking drugs for me was like attempting to get into that cartoon world. Right. Yeah. But so, never really manifested that way, right? No. But I mean, uh, not with the, I mean, the hard drugs, maybe psychedelics. And, yeah. And yeah. Psychedelics, oh, psychedelics yeah. have played a huge part in my uh, right. magic development if you will but the hard drugs yeah uh, heroin is a, a terrible horrible drug but yeah. you know I'd still maybe wouldn't trade I, I maybe wouldn't give it 20 years of my life like I did right yeah. it was an interesting place to be and I think not the being numbed out on heroin but when you're actually in withdrawal that's when the interesting things the psychic sort of phenomenon happen for it's me almost like you know demonic possession too in a way it's yeah yeah i i often think of the poppy as an intelligent demon who will invade your body and it really is you know it, it builds camp in your body yeah it about and it, it won't let you go you know it's taken me a long time and i'm still on a small amount of uh suboxone and yeah but I think that's yeah. another one for me yeah i mean that's that's incredible though i often try to reconfigure those experiences like i want nothing more than the take the shit i've done in my life that has you know been self-serving or or you know uh immoral in some ways to a degree i always want to take that and try to figure out a way to make that into something positive right and i think that's what like I think that's why us, you know, deeply spiritual or deeply, yeah, I hate to say that, like I'm deeply spiritual, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Uh, and I hate to use the word seeker too, if we can come up with another word for this, but people that are always on the hunt, it's this need for um, clarity of purpose. And I think we're intentful people that just, you know, our, our purpose got aligned or misaligned, I mean got misaligned in some ways and what i was addicted to a lot was that clarity of purpose was that everything mm-hmm. fell except yeah. for this thing you know well, and, yeah the, the only thing that matters is it, you got the drug or you didn't get the drug that right. day and if you got the drug it was a good day if you didn't it was a bad day and it makes your life very very simple you know very simple yeah. as soon as i got off in a sense you know though you know i mean the the fact is we're both survivors of that addiction, mm-hmm. but I've I've lost many friends to it, you know. So that's yeah. something that gives a little pat on the back. And I do think that um, having the people that I know that fell by the wayside really didn't have any other interest. They weren't interested in art, music, right? And that's magic, what I mean. You know? Yeah, that's what I mean. To come so, back to is yeah, what so we the thing that, that pulled us out. Route. Yeah, yeah, we had an yeah. escape route. Mm-hmm. But what what do you think that was? So you were you were already kind of and like I was too. I was peripheral with the occult or or with knowledge and you know spirituality and everything. I've I've always been somebody that has been deeply interested in it. But you know, what do you think is is the thing that pulled us away from that? Uh, like I say, I think I was always. I wouldn't say it was a means 
drugs were a means to an end, but they always felt like a stopgap for me. I always felt like I was treading water till I found my true yeah. will, if you like, because I was. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, I drifted in and out of art school. I was in a band for a while. The band was actually where I picked up my heroin habit, funnily enough. Mm. Musicians yeah. and heroin, man. <laughs> but, I know, walking cliches we are. But I think what really uh, kicked me out of it was I met a woman who had not been into heroin and she basically offered me a place to shelter and kind of, um, kind of, you know, just gave me a normal place away from the, the junk crowd and stuff to mm -hmm. kind of recuperate. And she was very into Reiki and... Uh, she wasn't really into magic as I'd known it, you know, like Crowley sure. and Burroughs and stuff. But she, she was kind of new agey, but it was with her that I first had my real uh, flowering as, you know, my first truly weird uh, experiences, which I, I might go into. Yeah, no, please do. It sounds like you found a beauty in faith. like Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just a, a life away from... Because I always knew there was a life away from that. I always had other stuff going on, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you get so entrenched in that, that uh, mouse wheel of scoring and, you know, and she just gave me a break from that. And then uh, quite wonderful things developed from that relationship. And we're still friends, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's something, there's something so, uh, like, symptomatic of the material realm about drugs. You know, they're almost like for a person not taking care of these, you know, higher functions of the mind or the subconscious, it's almost like we're all predestined to just kind of drop into the numbing void, <laughs> you know, yeah. unless we have to dig our way out and find our way. You know, it's a hero's journey in a, in a funny uh, way. Absolutely. So. Yeah, it is. yeah. Yeah. So after, you know, she brought you out, what was it? Was it Crowley that? Kind of got you more interested into the ritual magic? Well, I'd, I'd read Crowley before my addiction, and I still dabbled in magic while I was addicted, you know. But, I mean, you can't uh, devote yourself to... And, in fact, I find it uh, still hard to devote myself to serious practice because life gets in the way, you know. Yeah. But um, I had a very strange experience. Uh, she'd been doing Reiki, and she'd been going to like a, a spiritual center where they did like kind of vague spiritual healing. And I'm really not into that fuzzy new age stuff. Yeah, and I thought I can maybe guide her in a way uh, to to more concrete magic as I saw it. So it was a kind of mixing of it, and also I thought it was like a mixing of the male and female energies. So one day um, she'd been doing Reiki for about a year, and I'd never thought of saying, "Okay, just do Reiki on me." So one day she got me in the chair and, you know, I'm not prone to flights of fancy. I'm very skeptical and I analyze things to the to the nth degree. But this day um, I just sat there, blanket wrapped around me, and within a few minutes of her doing this Reiki, I suddenly was shot out of my body and I saw the, I've told this story before, but I might mm -hmm. tell that again. And I saw the earth is that like, you know, that classic blue marble photograph. Like I was seeing it from far, far out in space. And I had no idea what was going on. I just uh, kind of, but it was like a, the, the way I, you know, like if it's a daydream, you kind of flit about and it's, you know, you're obviously still caught in that train of thought. But this was just, there was nothing else there. I was in that vision, out of my body, looking down on the planet Earth. 
and it was like I got the corniest message. It was like, "We are the Pleiadians. We are the Pleiadians. <laughs> Look at the earth." And I don't believe in Pleiadians. Never have, you know. Right. So I thought that's a strange thing. If I was to have a vision, I would have hoped it would have been, you know, because I was heavily into Crowley, but it, was, sure. it would have been more. This is Horus, you know. You are yeah. the new child of the. Clem Snide comes and slaps you in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a mugwump comes up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, it was nothing like that. It was a total new age thing about ecology and all that. And it was apparently, I felt the tears. It wasn't tears of emotion. There was just water coming out of my eyes. And I was kind of shaking. And she sensed there was something going on. So we came out of that. She was like, oh, my God, it must have been the Pleiadians. You know, who else would it be? And I was like, ah, I don't really believe in Pleiadians. And why would they give me an ecological message? I'm not terribly interested in ecology. You know, I'm quite selfish. <laughs> Wrong guy. So that, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so we, we talked about it. And then we thought, hmm, well, if that can happen, let's experiment a little bit more. And I can't remember exactly how it happened, but she was pushing me in a new agey way. So I was pushing her more in a sort of ritual magic kind of way. So the two kind of got mixed up together and we came up with this hodgepodge of rituals and uh, meditations and actually started channeling. Uh, it's another thing I, you know, I came away from it. We got reams and, you know, we used to voice record it and stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. And I, it, a lot of it was very beautiful, poetic sort of stuff, but nothing that I would really stand by now. You know, I look upon it as a weird sort of psychological quirk that happened in a time when I was pretty spaced out through being strung out on air. Right. It's, it's like your astral dexterity needs time to practice yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. we did get a lot of valuable ideas. You know, we, we got the idea that Toth or Thoth, as we used mm -hmm. to call them, and then it kind of got mixed in with Thoth and Isis, so it became Thosis. We channeled our magical names. So I do believe that... Um, any information that you can look at, you know, it's like tarot cards. You don't believe that the tarot cards actually have supernatural power in themselves. Right. They're a good some tool do. for analysis. <laughs> well, some do, yeah. yeah. But for me, they're just a way of making you look at certain things that you wouldn't have otherwise. So Absolutely. This channel, yeah. So you could look at the channeling process as a kind of cut up of my own consciousness and perhaps some of hers. Right. And you have to look at your motivations. Am I telling her what she wants to hear? Which I think in some cases I was. Sure, but that's so, unadulterated, right? That's like yeah, uh, yeah. free speech, or is it uh, automatic, you know, rhyming or automatic yeah, yeah. uh, freestyling? Yeah, yeah. I, I do believe it came from me, but it was perhaps coming from a, I mean, I was in a kind of trance state when I did it, you know. Well, let's think, let's let's talk about that. Do you think that, that was simply just a higher conscious, your super self, or was that, you know, um, maybe something coming in through you that well, wasn't you essentially? I think it was me. I think it was a super self or a, the, the higher consciousness kind of right. thing. Because like I say, at the moment, I'm doubting that anything really does exist outside. You know, I don't yeah. believe there are spirits lurking about in some undefined fourth dimension that interact with humans, although I could be wrong on that. And um, but my thinking is at the moment that it was just it accessed a part of my brain that I don't, you know, because the brain is an amazing thing. Right. I mean, it's just so funny how similar we are. I mean, this past month and a half, I really did take time to kind of sit back and reevaluate, you know, 
my intentions or what what I you know just kind of normally see as happening. And it really it always comes down to that it's just you know conversation uh, communion with your subconscious, and that's the highest thing you can commune with, and it's the greatest thing that runs your life. You know, it's not necessarily just this disembodied consciousness from somebody else or somewhere else. You know, I do believe in the collective unconscious and right. you know, the archetypal realm. I mean, that's for sure. I've experienced the neither, times. neither. Yeah, the ne- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, or neither, neither. Yeah, neither, neither. I would say, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, I am. That's why I uh, recently. Um, published that uh, Alistair Crowley's uh, introduction to the McGregor's Mather Goetia thing. Right. He is saying, you know, these are just specific parts of your brain. And he flim-flammed, flim-flammed? He uh, yeah. vacillated between, okay, there are objective spirits out there. And that's why I admire Crowley, because he, he always questioned what he was doing, you know, and like uh, Robert Andrew Wilson would do later. Exactly. And, you know, the, the occultists I admire are the ones that don't, just go off on flights of fancy and, and puff themselves up like certain magicians uh, current on various media platforms. Like <laughs> right. You know I, mean? <laughs> I know it's really hard. Uh, there's a, there's a part of me that wants to, I talk to my, my good friend who's an illustrator and a practitioner um, all the time. And we, we kind of gripe to each other about different things we stumbled on with new, you know, this neo magician or it's almost like this neo chaos magic in a way mm-hmm. um but also you know the self-serving it's the it's the what we call the new guru you know yeah, yeah and it's really hard because you know part of my i think my outsiderdom uh from when i was a kid is always skeptical of anybody that's gaining popularity so i don't want to superimpose my my bullshit on them but it's i'm finding a way to to discuss this without necessarily naming names maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah you let's know? not name names but i do believe that you know um i don't believe in supernaturalism i don't think that right. things can just manifest out of nowhere but magical effects are very real you know like when i started experimenting with sigil magic I have no idea what causes that mechanism, but within about two months, I'd inherited a huge sum, well, not a huge sum of money, I went through it pretty quick, but, uh, you know, a, a great aunt that I'd never even known existed um, through a weird chain of synchronicities. The My mother had a, a kind of nurse who also worked part-time in a solicitor's office. Um, she knew my mum and overheard the solicitor saying, oh, we're looking for these guys Alistair and Stephen Ray, me and my brother. She mm-hmm. went back and told my mum. My mum got in touch with the solicitor. They were like, oh, did you know that your, your grandfather bought a share in this house? We've got tens of thousands of pounds. And it seemed like as soon as I started doing that, everything, you know, I, I really, after the devastation and, you know, absolute homelessness, really. Yeah. Although I did have some support networks around me and I was never completely, like, on the streets, like, begging with a cop. I was pretty much derelict. And then as soon as the magic started and as soon as the thosis thing started to pick up momentum, everything started slotting into place. So was it me putting myself together or was it some outside force? I I just can't tell. It's hard. I often call it like the, you know, the paradox of being a coincidence 
conductor. Yeah, or a, or a synchronicity <laughs> generator. Exactly, yeah. yeah Which like is that. like, well, yeah, everything, all the dominoes fell in place, but would I have noticed, you know, if I didn't put the intention out there first, would I, you know, would it, maybe it's, uh, it, it's a gratitude thing with the intention. I think sometimes, too, when it comes to ritual work or spiritual work or praxis even, like it's about a future gratitude. You know, mm-hmm. you're giving, you're, you're saying thank you for uh, allowing these things to happen, you know, that yeah. puts me forth to my true will. But in a weird way, it's still a surrender, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think uh, surrender is a, a big part of it. After the ISIS magic and uh, me and that, I mean, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time and we split up mm-hmm. and I kind of drifted more into traditional magic i started uh, like a self-initiated golden dawn and the golden sure. dawn uh curriculum especially self-initiated without the help of a lodge or anything is really not my cup of tea but for some reason oh it's right it, it uh again a synchronicity she was in treadwells in london a famous bookshop in london yeah and this book kabbalah magic just fell off the shelf so she brought it back we both started working we split up and i continued working so I went right through the neophyte grade, you know, doing everything very scrupulously daily because I wasn't working at this point. Went through Zelator, Theodicus, and at Theodicus, uh, you could say my practice fell apart, but you could also say I started to work full time. I got a job where I was reasonably responsible right. and trusted, you know. So, uh, you know, you take with one hand right. and you give with the other. Yeah, but yeah, I feel, yeah, I mean, that's a good example. I, You know, I keep bringing up this, weird hiatus because we're in the same spot now where i'm i i'm just coming back into this realm because i needed some time off to get my feet dirty i needed to feel the material realm i needed to yeah you know focus on on the material or the somatic yeah. you know and I mean, um this stuff can it, definitely sweep you away in a tide of madness right and, yeah uh, it's an as above so below thing truly you know and i I hear about all the time and transcendental meditation. There are naysayers, ex-members who come out and say, you know, I lost everything because that was a place I would escape to. And I just wanted to be there, (laughs) you know? And it just, it makes me think that, yeah, that for a time I was caring uh, too much about my head, not anchoring myself or not my head, maybe my heart. I'm not sure. But yeah. I get that when you start to parlay both, you know, the the praxis and the material stuff, when it starts becoming prag magic, I hate to use the term, but like that's Great to term. me the greatest, you know, idea of what this stuff is capable of. Yeah. And uh, I think my crisis was I got overwhelmed with the amount I was reading and you know, and then there's the videos and then there's the praxis. And, oh, yeah. Know, there's just so many words and so many competing systems. It just got so confusing for me. I just kind of short-circuited and just like, oh. enough. And egos, egos against yeah. where you should start. Uh, you know, like that was the big thing for me was just the incessant um, naysaying about how I did this or where I did this or what I did. You know, even in my mind, knowing because reading the text, reading how people like interact with each other in these very disparate 
you know, systems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know that many other magicians that I can actually talk to. Recently, I've met, uh, you know, well, I've known Sam for a while, Baz from The Lost Word, which we can maybe talk about later. Yeah, I actually great... think, I think it's a benefit to maybe not get too involved with too many other magicians and too many yeah. other ways of thinking, you know. Because I think magic is really about finding your own way through this minefield of uh, psychonautery. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I take that I take that to heart very much. I I think often that you know, and I talk to this about Mitch Horowitz. Like we're all speaking the same language, different terms. Absolutely, this confusion yeah. of terms is you know, in philosophy, you've got more concrete terms. And even, you know, I did English at university. There's definite terms. But in magic, everybody's using different terms, talking about the same thing. And it's it's very confusing and frustrating as hell, you know? Yeah. Is that why you kind of started, quote unquote, the experiment was, you know, like what I'm doing as well? Is that we're just trying to glean and learn and put ourselves out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. It was like, find the others, you know, that famous Terence McKenna quote. Oh, yeah. Because I was very aware that when I I split with the the magical partner I had, that I just had nobody and my uh, inspiration level seemed to drop and I I was trying to come off. Last summer was a real turning point for me. I had been... You know, I'd, I was in a job. I was I was solid in the job, but I still hadn't managed to kick the last bit of the drugs, benzodiazepines, Valium, uh, Xanax, all that kind of stuff. So for two weeks, I was basically like spun out, mentally ill. Really, I, I had no idea that benzos could do that to a person. Yeah, and uh, I started to just watch YouTube, but I'd never really bothered with the live chats and stuff. But I started to get involved in. C.W. Chanter's live chat. And I thought, wow, people are like talking to me and being kind to me and I felt so isolated. So part of the idea of starting the channel was to continue the conversation with those guys, but just show them a little bit of my occulty ways. Because C.W., he's got his own thing. You know, he he digs magic, but he's not an occultist as such. Right. I appreciate that. I was like, come come to my house. You know, I've been to your house. Come to mine. So yeah. the original idea was like a video diary of me doing the daily uh, Golden Dawn rituals, you know. But that got pretty boring really quick, to be honest. Yeah. So uh, then I, I kind of branched out, and now I'm just trying to just... I, I, now I feel a lot freer with the channel, and I just experiment. You know, once I've realized this isn't going to be like an instruction, you know, because I'm not an expert, I can't teach anyone anything. They can buy a book that will tell them how to do it better than I can. So what I'm doing is just just doing stuff creatively. You know, I've always been into music, painting, and it's just a, a continuation of that for me. I wanted to ask you, too, about that, you know, music and painting, your praxis, that confluence. How do you feel as being, you know, quintessentially, it's your, your I hate to use the term, but a YouTuber, right? Yeah, yeah. someone that that is vlogging your your practice and all that like how has that been going for you what has been the reception <laughs> you know the idea from from the world at large because you're you're putting your practice you're putting your honesty yeah. out there and i oh, absolutely adore that about you but yeah. you know i wonder I, if there's sometimes i really wonder why i do it right and, you know because I'm, I'm not really a, an extrovert i think part of the drugs thing was to make me more extroverted 
because I always love people and I love being around people, but I'm not naturally an extrovert. So perhaps the drugs and, you know, I still enjoy drinking. I usually have a couple of glasses of wine when I'm doing a podcast or I would just clam up, you know? Yeah. So I often do doubt the wisdom. Why am I doing this? And I don't know. It's just like some, it's a, it's a niche that's just got to be scratched. I think I got used to performing in the band Maybe I need an audience. Maybe I'm some kind of weird narcissist. It is. It's fun. It's like watching the, you know, watching your videos back. And although I never really watch my videos back, I watch the uh, the recordings. I can't watch live streams. I just find it excruciating. Yeah. Do you think there's something about um, maybe hyperlizing, hyperlizing, hyper, you know, making the these hyper sigils about you know, these, these things that you're doing, these, these, uh, these, uh, incantations, these spoken word, you know, audiomancy type things and sharing your praxis. Do you think that that emboldens, uh, the, the work? Yeah. Yeah. I, do I think, think so. I are, think it, yeah. I, I was think they say, are think... kind of, uh, audio visual spells in a way, although I never realized that till quite recently. It seems like you and me, the reason why, you know, we, I think we inherently gravitate towards YouTube is the connection or the connectivity between viewers. Also the honesty of having your face on fucking camera. Yeah. And not having to tell outrageous lies about being best friends with Bale and Lucifer, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey, Lucifer, come over here, man, bro. Fuck me. Um, But to me, that makes uh, that's what makes this so appealing. And for somebody like me to have a kind of redemption arc with magic and to document it, I think is that much more poignant. So I I just always really appreciate it. Yeah, I I, I saw in one of your videos that you you said something about magic as redemption, and I never I'd never really thought about it like that. But it it totally is. You know, it, it certainly redeem my life in many ways but i right. always thought of it as a continual pushing of the psychic envelope because i'd always been excessive in my ways you know what i mean mm-hmm. if i if i did something i would have to, have to do it to the extreme extent yeah uh, i think that's why i fell into addiction but it's also why you know the the birth of the Sarothamish channel was really triggered by I'm going to call it a working. I was thinking about this today, and it wasn't just a series of psilocybin trips. It was a working with the person that started it all off. Um, last summer, we did like five or six really intense psilocybin trips, and that was when I was just coming out of the. I, I failed to come off the Valium, by the way. I just had to say, no, this is too much. Right, right. After after like four weeks of intense mental and physical agony i was just okay just put me on two meals a day that's fine so after that we decided to embark upon a a major um psilocybin adventure so we had like one before the summer solstice one on the summer solstice one kind of midway between that and uh sawain the real big one for me was the one before the summer solstice and that was when i don't know for me you know, I'd, I'd experimented with psilocybin because in, uh, in Aberdeen, they grow quite plentifully. I don't know, there's an urban myth. It might not be an urban myth that they now spray fungicides on them. But when oh, I was yeah. in like uh, 12, 13, 
you would just go to the football pitch and it would be just growing all over the place. It was the same in the Pacific Northwest where I just came from. Yeah, so very abundant. Abundant. And, you know, all the guys, all their brothers knew about them. So we were taking them very young before our brains were properly formed. (laughs) And (laughs) so there was a night, a a very um, strong trip I had in the Duthie Park where I realized that, gosh, this isn't all, you know, the, the mundane little childish fantasies I had about life and growing up there was much more to it than that you know there was another dimension if you like I didn't really understand it but everything looked so beautiful and I thought well this is like the Garden of Eden I'd never heard of Terence McKenna I had no nothing to judge it by you know it was just my own personal experience but that really opened me up and after that I really got into art like Van Gogh or Van Gogh as you would say um I noticed that his paintings were just exactly like you would see on a psilocybin trip. The wavy lines, the excessively bright colours, you know. So that dude was tripping uh, involuntarily, I presume. Involuntarily? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I Uh, I mean, but, you know, that brings me to a good point. I don't know if you want this out there about what you do for a living, but working with people with, you know, uh, I think the proper terminology is people with disabilities right people yeah, first yeah, terminology sure. yeah. um i i myself have had a uh a lit well i was diagnosed with uh mental uh disability not disabilities it sounds like i'm i was bipolar i had been diagnosed yeah, kinda, bipolar yeah. for for since i you know i was like a late teenager didn't do a shit about it I uh, thought I'm not going to be a slave to a drug and instead was a slave to pretty much every drug. <laughs> yeah. Every other drug. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I wonder too, like, you know, the, there's that whole cliche about the shamanistic experience about how you look for those dented consciousnesses, you know, those like ones that kind of glean elsewhere and like literally think outside the box. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, if 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 what we're told by anthropologists is to be believed, then people with uh, various mental peculiarities, <laughs> you know, the schizophrenics, the term. bipolar, yeah. and, you know, a lot of people in the magic communities that I've met on Facebook and stuff have either had drug problems, bipolar, schizoaffective disorder, right. person at borderline, part, you know, we're all a little bit mad. Yeah, yeah. So, like you certifiably. Know, you, yeah, but, um, <laughs> you know, magic is not something a normal person really wants to do because it takes you far out of your, your realms of comfort. And, you know, it's not... It, I've often thought that magic was a dangerous and destructive thing, but it's not. It's not. Right. It, it, it breaks down to build up in a better way. I always use the, the lightning struck tower from the tarot as a perfect example of what kind of initiation does stuff absolutely that's to me that's like the most magical card oh absolutely that is my uh that's my favorite card it just zaps all the false bullshit and all those bricks and the the red person and the blue Mm -hmm. person are the hemispheres of the brain and uh you know that's what magic does it reduces you to rubble and then it builds you up uh prometheus rise and robert anton wilson right classic way of describing that in another way where we're involuntary programmed you know we have um times in our life when we're susceptible to programming and it just imprints on accidental stuff whatever's going on on around 
and our damaged young lives is what we imprinted on. So with magic, it gets a chance, and I'm not sure of the mechanisms again, that it gives us a chance to deliberately imprint new positive stuff. I mean, that makes, yeah, that makes absolutely, I mean, I was just meditating on this the other day um, about how I can, I think I, I experience ego deaths at a at a hyper rate as comparatively to when I was young and, you know, screwed up on different things. So those needed to be the big deaths. Now it's like every, every day or like where we are now thinking about, you know, I don't think that this is supernatural. I think this has everything to do with, you know, our inherent consciousness or whatever. To me, that's also a little death and it's just little deaths and little deaths until hopefully there's no, there's, there's no need for it anymore, but maybe not. Maybe hopefully that there is, you know, I, I think I can get addicted to the ego deaths. I told this to a friend recently. Um, I, probably on the podcast that comes out before this one, which is funny. I don't mean to put this out there too much. Uh, but Sneak I, preview. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it's, I'm, I'm just getting, getting real with some past shit. Um, I uh, subletted my, my room when I first moved to Portland, when I jumped a train and, and just ended up living in Portland. I subletted my room to a mushroom dealer and he he gave me mushrooms like I was to sell them. Yeah. I did not sell them. I took yeah, them of course. for months, you know, like, and I got addicted to coming down. I got addicted to the somatic. I got addicted to like, oh, man, you know, the the other realms are far scarier than this. I can handle this, you know, and that that really showed me a lot as far as I think drug use and as far as even magical praxis you know yeah i got to an interesting place and you know a lot goes back to that i keep pointing over there because that's where my mm-hmm. bed is um that that time when I, I tried to come off the benzos and i was also doing like the golden dawn um practice every day faithfully mm-hmm. and i really did get to a point where i felt like i was shedding layer after layer of programming until i found that there was up i've there was no center to me at all. I was yeah. just nothing. And it was scary, but it was also kind of liberating to know that you're you're not your programs, you're not your parents, you're not your school, you're not your religion. Um, yeah. You are just, uh, I don't know, just a nothingness, really. Well, and to be honest, and you would understand this too, like, okay, um, you would think that the, like my detox from, heroin or opiates would have lasted once and I'd learn. No, it happened a few times, right? Uh, but every time was this teacher and about humiliation. Oh my God. About like learning to walk again. I remember I got, got over it in some dilapidated apartment in Phoenix, Arizona when I was like 26. And it sounds like a, a bad pulp novel, you know, <laughs> And I like basically I had to learn how to walk and stand like straight again. I yeah, was yeah. I I, I probably should make and some would argue I didn't make it out. You know, <laughs> like well, he, here we are. You know, this is all just a dream in a way. But yeah, yeah. Well, I was always but fascinated. To me it was, uh, yeah, the humiliation. Sorry. That's what I want to say. It's like yeah. the hum- humbleness of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but um, do you think, were you into William Burroughs and Crowley and stuff before you started taking heroin? Uh, yes, definitely William Burroughs. Absolutely William Burroughs. Uh, I, got ex- I got suspended from school for bringing l- naked lunch to high school. Um, and that just made me love it more. You know, yeah, um, yeah. you could, you could have just put that in a gun and shot the administration. Like, <laughs> I, like that was, that's what really, I mean, I, it's not the only reason, but you know, my father bought me like a first edition of cities of red night, you oh, know, a wow. couple of years wow. ago. Yeah. So it's like, I've always been a big Burroughs fan, yeah, but this brings another question I wanted to talk to you, but you had a point. I apologize. Yeah, it's just I had a weird, perverse way of justifying my addiction. It's like, mm. but it was talked about a worm that was kept permanently uh, strung out on heroin. So the, the junk cells die and then you're, you know, the, the new cells are born. And I was like, hey, this is keeping me young. Yeah, I mean, it does. It, it does. It. I mean, you know, <laughs> you get I'm amphibious. Fifty years old, and I don't look um, a day over thirty. Mm-hmm. No, that's always been like to me, like such a, a mythological, weird elixir. You know, of course, yeah. you get yeah. addicted to this thing that ruins your life and makes you forever young. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's just you can't write that stuff. Well, it's like but, a bit like a portrait of Dorian Gray, isn't it, Oscar Wilde? Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The picture stays young, but you grow ugly and twisted in the inside. Yeah, the picture but, in your mind of your self-image. Yeah. 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 And as Butters yeah. say, you, you really get to know human nature when you're uh, down your last, you know, and you'll do anything for a, a hit. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was definitely my darkest hour. Um, what's funny, though, to share in context, I... Uh, was kicking this shit and I just I, I basically went out to Arizona which was the place that I think all of my troubles began as a child and I thought that I could get right with it but instead I used it as like this vacuum of you know just grossness yeah, to be to be nice about it and uh, that's when I came back into magic was towards the end is you know writing the intentions creating sigils stuff i had learned years prior mm-hmm. and knew it but never took it so terribly seriously and some would argue that that's you know you're you're basically uh supplementing a faith or you're you know and i would say that's good that's healthy you know yeah i'm sorry i don't know but yeah, that's right. And that's kind of, it, it seems similar to where you were. Like that's, you got out of the darkness, you use this stuff, even though it was Reiki, it was, you know, uh, new agey, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at least it was something that kind of sub- supplanted a faith in you that like there is it a wonderment had, instead of a meaning. Vacuum. It had meaning, yes. it had meaning. Yeah. And the channeling was useful at the time, you know, it really, mm-hmm. and I think if two people work together, uh, you know, there's the thing about the third mind. I don't want to get too Burroughsy sure. in here, but there yeah. is definitely, and I've noticed that with the Sam and Baz and Davey that I'm working with at the moment, that we really are starting to fall into this weird synchronicity mesh. Chapel Perilous is uh, yep. Anton, Anton. Yeah. The, the synchronicities are just firing off all over the place. So I do think that 
group work is very powerful. And it's hard to be a, a solo magician, you know, to keep yourself motivated, to keep doing the rituals. Sure. Doing. And often I just, at the moment, I'm really not doing any practice at all. I'm just yeah. kind of um, just being. I, I appreciate she, that. And it comes in cycles. All things are cycles for me, you know. Right. I'll be tremendously creative for a while, and then I'll just flatline, and then it'll pick up, you know. it's It's got some kind of rhythm to it that I haven't quite fathomed yet. Well, how is it being amongst a group of peers that are all magically inclined, uh, knowledgeable, you know, uh, all non, pretty non-judgmental of any other's, you know, inclinations? Like, how is that? That's got to be pretty magical with the last word. Yeah, it's, it's been very empowering, you know. And we all come at the, the subjects from completely different places, you know. Right. Sam yeah. is kind of a Voodoo kind of guy. Um, mm-hmm. Baz is more Western tradition, but he does believe in uh, spirits and stuff. Davey is more like the, the technical guy, and he's really into comics and uh, Druidism. So we all really come from different parts. But I think it, it does work when, when you put this all together. And we've had some great fun doing like spirit box sessions. Right. Uh, you know, in the spirit box where you, you flick mm-hmm. through the radio. The flick flick through the radio, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So I've had some interesting stuff. I mean, uh, I have to say, um, I'm in a relationship with a beautiful, that was kind of synchronous. It is, everything seemed to come together last summer after yeah. uh, 2018, June, July. I met Sora Star. Um, I had my zero experience, and then I started the YouTube channel. I had those big trips. Yeah. After years in the wilderness, it was like, finally. Well, it's like you're still tempering your want and need for knowledge by having these awesome podcasts and, you know, discussions with people. It's almost like that is that is the only praxis you need. Yeah. Right? Uh, well, at the moment, it absolutely. Yeah. Is. And, you know, it's, it's like Baz is in Australia, Sam's in uh, America, Davey mm-hmm. is Scottish, he's just down the road, but I could have never come across these people in Aberdeen, you know, a tiny little, by American standards, it's barely even a town, but we call it city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's like uh, 250,000 people, you know. So they had one little um, comic book store. I've never been into comics, but they used to sell like Wiser and uh, Crowley, Golden Dawn mm-hmm. stuff. So I started, uh, that's where I found all my magic books. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure they would. It's I mean, comics and magic have been the most, the coolest confluence, you know, yeah, for yeah. the modern age. But um, I want to talk to you a little bit about just you know, it sounds like where you're at, where I'm at, where you're taking lesson from maybe the occultural aspects. You're you're taking lesson from this new neo, uh, you know, magic renaissance. You're you're taking more from in in self in yourself and like yeah. the people that you talk to, yeah. but I wanted to bring that up because you know that's that's been a fun topic with everyone I've talked to. How how do you feel about where magic is right now? Well, interesting times, isn't it? I mean, the internet has just blown everything open. Before, like I say, before the I mean, who could have imagined the technology that we've got now that we are now talking instantaneously it's like you're in my room you know 
right. smartphones and all that shit. Um, it's almost like the stuff that you used to really have to work hard for is now so accessible. It almost becomes, you can't even, I can't be bothered looking at it, you know, things that I would have been so excited about getting in a, a paper form. It's like, okay, every grimoire that's ever published, you can find somewhere on the internet. There's almost like too much information. Yeah. And it's hard to know. There's not many people that I follow, hardly any occultists that I really, oh my God, it's he's, he's a new podcast. I must find out what's <laughs> going on with this person or that person, you know? Yeah, it's just absolutely. And to be honest, there aren't that many quality magic uh, YouTubers or whatever platform they use. You know, there are a few authors that are like kind of, you know, I mean, you yourself speak to Mitch Horowitz. I've got a lot of respect for him. Carl Abrahamson, Robert Anton Wilson, I love that he's unfortunately passed away. Right. You know, you've got your, I, I don't want to name names, but you've got your kind of uh, become a living God crew who've got their own kind of take on things. And then there's a lot of, you know, David Griffin's tragic take on, uh, you know, the Golden Dawn. He turned it into Hogwarts. Yeah. You when know, you also got like the Michael Hughes, you know, buying Trump, you know, stuff. It's 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 almost it's, gotten into like this political. Yeah, it's world. it's it's very silly to be honest. I still go back to my uh, favorites, you know, Crowley, Burroughs, Robert Anton Wilson, a few yeah. others. I just I wonder sometimes, like, what is? <sighs> Would I be stifling? other people by going hey you know you're not supposed to put all your eggs in one basket with one one guru this guru is not going to start the revolution and i use guru uh intentionally negatively <laughs> you know? no. uh, because there is a large group of them now that you know want to be the the best occult you know or the best occultists or like is the reason why modern occultism is what it is i'll just say or like you said you know the uh, the the youtube hole of you know what the left hand path quote unquote has become you know and it's a part of me is is it's a i'm offended but i shouldn't be you know what i mean yeah I, I honestly am coming around to think, and, I, and uh, you know, I never thought I could be a cultist because I'd never had any sort of um, clairvoyance as a child. I'd never seen little green men dancing in, you know, the moonlight. I'd never been abducted by a UFO. <laughs> but I do think, uh, like music or art, you've either got it as an occultist or you haven't. And if, if you need to hang on a guru's every word and have to pay for demon summonings and readings, you're really barking up the wrong path. If you really do want to be an occultist, you've got to find your absolute own way of doing things. It's a very individual shamanistic path, you know what I mean? And I think shamans are born and not made. Ah, that's a good that's a good thing to talk about. Um, yeah, to, to a degree, I... But born I mean, you can study, even you through can experience, learn. right? Yeah. Born or learn. not. You can learn, but you, I think you learn from experience. That's how you learn, learn, right? And it takes That's a how we have to. Yeah. I mean, I'm in this been... modern world, you know, talking about Burroughs, talking about 
Kenneth Grant talking about Crowley. These are all people that had cancel culture written all over them if they were happening now, you know? And I think that there's something missing in the modern age about redemption, about, you know, people trying to strive well, to do well. And so these people that come out as crystal clean are very suspect. Yeah. I think yeah. you, you know you have to struggle with your your magic every day if you're if you're not constantly in a, a confused daze or at least fifty <laughs> percent of the time you're doing something wrong you know if you just think okay this follows that and then I do this ritual and that happens and oh it's all fine yeah you know mm-hmm. I I don't sense the struggle and the inner uh, you know uh, confusion right. and uh, drowning in a sea of weird languages and. Uh, weird vision experience. I don't get the sense with these people. I think they're putting on a show and possibly trying to make money and sell books, possibly, if, if they can even write a book. You know, it's funny. I think about that, too. And I think about how, to me, there's more magic in a comic book and somebody's intentional creation of another world than there is in, yeah, that. I mean, know? I guess, I mean, I guess... <laughs> The the circuses and sideshows that some of these people put on are a kind of magic, but it's a kind of carne magic, and they can't honestly believe that the stuff that they're talking about is true. They're trying to sell it to people to make a living, and I think yeah. that's very dishonest. You know, I I try. I've never asked for donations. I'm, I would love to if people want to give me donations, please do, but. I would never go out and ask for them. I think, yeah, right. if I write a book, you buy the book, that's an honest transaction. But if you're going to, if I'm going to ask you for $2,000 for me to put this um, spell, uh, you know, come on. Yeah. No, it gets, it gets hairy. I'm glad I, I just, it's so funny. I just think we're both synchronous in ourselves and where we are right now. And you keep saying that this is cyclical, you know, who knows at all feel in the other way and to me that's the healthiest way to be doubt means so much in this praxis like as a as a whole you know if you just accept every single phenomena as being absolute proof that that there's you know god is talking to you or horus is living in your back shed you know you're you're, you really have to put things under the microscope and uh you, you know be rigorous in your common sense because i have seen people get swept away with this stuff and start to have delusional ideas you know especially people that are a little bit you know uh crazy in the first place and i would put <laughs> both of us in that category if we yeah. just start blindingly accepting any sort of fragment of uh, gobbledygook that comes to us in meditation oh my god i'm the prophet of the new aeon i mean how many prophets of the new aeon have had since probably you know it's funny though, narcissism seems to be the most intrinsic value of, of these folks. <laughs> and especially when, you know, I, I, I won't deny that being on TV, which YouTube right. feels like, you, you know, you, you, can, you are absolutely on TV. Yeah. 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 YouTube. So like, I don't ah, know I'm anybody else. Yeah. It's awesome. It's great. Yeah, I just, right. yeah, yeah. YouTube is our TV. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. That's user operated. We can go into like all the, troubles that we might find with the content that we upload from that but i really appreciate it i really appreciate your channel oh thank you very much and i i really dig yours but like when if you were to ever be a part of kind of an international 
art collective. Like being from a media that has garnered what you need from like say YouTube, from what 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 you're doing multimedia wise, like what would you want from that thing? What would you need from that thing? That's a hard one, isn't it? I think yeah. uh, for me, art is about like legacy, like leaving something behind. I don't think that people are necessarily going to get it this time around. It's like I used to have the same feeling about painting, not so much about like music when I was in the band because that was more like playing gigs and you know people get it right away. Yeah. It's, it's just um, leaving some proof that you were alive and contributing and maybe inspiring others, contributing to the sort of tide of of good stuff. <laughs> it's yeah. a very vague way of putting it. But, you know, there's so much bullshit and lies and, and damaging stuff out there that if we can, like, enlighten people and educate them slightly and mm-hmm. stop them perhaps from making the same mistakes that we've made, you know? Yeah. Like people like us, if I was 18, if I'd seen someone that I trusted and respected saying, don't take fucking heroin, it's a waste of, it's going to kill you or waste what years of your life, you know? I think people are so afraid to talk about that. That's why I've been so, yeah. you know, I I still worry about talking about it. I I tend not to talk about it on my own channel. I used to be so paranoid when I was in my last job because I thought, what if somebody, you know, even though, change my name, they could trace mm-hmm. me through Facebook and they could somehow find my channel, find me talking about magic. Even being into magic is enough to make them like, oh, he's a bit of a weirdo, you know? Oh, totally. I, uh, you know, I uh, actually the first conversation I ever had with Mitch Horowitz, he told me, and I, it's like, if you look at the past 30 interviews I've done, I can take one nugget of wisdom that I've actually applied that I've been appreciative of. And that first one with Mitch Horowitz was, use your name. You know, yeah. even though I'm going by my middle name and last name, but it's pretty easy to figure it out. Yeah, I saw like, that interview. Yeah, and like I, re- I really appreciated uh, the idea of, you know, trolls are going to come. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna get shit on. That's just the nature of the internet now. But I think the point of this, you know, quote unquote crusade is to be honest about it, right? Yeah. I mean, not, not, I mean, like you, this is your name. Like Keats Ross is my magical name, honestly. You know? Yeah. I make music under different characters or different names, but this is the truest one. You know? But there is also what I felt, I mean, my name is Stephen Ray. It's a very prosaic sort of uh, normal name. And I don't think the Stephen Ray experiment would have quite the same effect though ray is is a pretty cool ray, ray is, yeah, yeah yeah right and if you if you rearrange my name it kind of comes to nefit's ra and all this kind of stuff Ooh. but um i do feel like there was a process in that uh, maybe are we recording still yeah 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 i'll edit out all the uh yeah there was a part in that uh formative uh mushroom trip where i'd I felt like I'd been dropped, you know, I'd taken a a lot. It was like seven or eight dried grams of very good local uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I'd been dropped in a deep ocean of 
oh god when i first got down there it was like oh i could barely breathe and there were all these <laughs> kind of skeletal birds flying around uh, and all these demons as i perceived them oh i'll cut you a deal man i'll get you out of here and you know because i felt like i was kind of in hell in a way and i gradually rose and fought my way through all this uh, psychic detritus and got to the place where I, I saw myself as a grizzled old white person, a kind of Vikingish looking person. That's actually why I got these runes tattooed, uh, because in the vision I saw myself covered in tattoos and runes. And it was like, yeah, you're going to be Saroth the Mage and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Are those yeah. runes? Uh, uh, they're sigils, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think Retired. it is kind of, yeah. Well, Stick got, and poke, yeah. Yeah, I've got the eye in the triangle there, and Isis is all things, all things are Isis there, and a few more. We think, share nationalities too, you know, Ross is obviously Oh, yeah, Scottish. Ross is very Scottish, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you uh, look like a Peely Wally Scott. Uh, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> Peely Wally means pale. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the gray. The gray does me well. Yeah, yeah. I like the, the, uh, What's that called again? Butters War one. Uh, it's not a trilogy. Fedora? Fedora, that's the one. Yeah. It's a hard one. It's it's not unlike magic. It's gotten a lot of flack from people that don't know what they're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> it suits you, sir. Well, I appreciate it. But yeah, I always wondered, you know, across the pond, like we, you are an emblematic figure for a certain multimedia situation to put it very lightly, you know, like you are, you're putting yourself out there. You're being honest. You're, you're, you're putting yourself out there, which is yeah. so big these days. Yeah. It's the real me. It's, it's yeah. there's no uh, masks or disguises that I hope. I love that. So what, who cares about a name, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, in the sense that, like, of course, yeah, take another name. It's your face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, like, I've always written uh, music or done things under characters. And I've been writing a lot about, you know, it's very self-serving in a way. <laughs> like, a good writer never just writes about himself. But a good yeah. magician always writes about himself, you know. Well, it's a, you know, it's the only, you know, from, from being a, you know, I, I did English at university and I was very into creative writing and I was in the creative writing society and did poetry readings and stuff. Um, you have to write about what you know. If, if you try and, right. you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Unless you're extremely, extremely talented. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the the spilling of words onto the page, that's a that's a magic. That's that's leaving time binding, isn't it? It's um Yeah. The written language thing, the, the, the art leaving any kind of mark that can be seen by other people when you're not around is a magical act in my mind. So tell me about what's what's the future? What what where is the experiment going? I never know from one day to the next. Um, I love my, that. My immediate plans are to perhaps have really, you know, I'd kind of gone off. You know how you kind of reject your early influences? Oh, God, I'm so tired because I had Burroughs and, and all those guys coming out my ears. 
but now I've kind of returned to Burroughs and I'm reading the, my favourite novel of his, Place of Dead Roads, again, mm-hmm. getting to know Kim Carson's again. So my, my next video, I think, will just be a reading from that book. But I am getting very bored. You know, I've got a very simple... I'm not a technological person. I don't understand computers. I'm very... You know, I can, I can work flog it where you get a bunch of photos cram them together and then sure, weird, yeah. you know, so I, I make my own, but I can't play an instrument either. I can play a harmonica. That's anything in one key I can play. I was a vocalist in the band. That's how I got by. Hey, that's and that's an instrument. That is an instrument, yes. Uh, perhaps the, the most difficult instrument. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, probably the most unadulterated, honest instrument. It's the one instrument I've had the worst. Yeah, but I tried to learn. About. I tried to learn uh, <laughs> guitar and piano. As I, I just couldn't get. I just. I've got no. One thing about me is I'm not like. A, if I'm not immediately good at something, I tend to just abandon it. You know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I, I know how that goes. I, I'm in many ways a dilettante, and I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with being a dilettante. I think not enough is said good about people that dabble in this and dabble in that, and you know. You don't have to be an expert. And I think uh, this is something that I got from a, a scar because I was, when The Lost Word started, it was actually, I wanted to do more sort of in depth, intellectual, analytical discussions about major figures like Austin Osmond Spear, Burroughs, Castaneda, Kenneth Grant. Which those were great. This, yeah, yeah. But, they're, but they're difficult. You know, they're difficult people to understand and try and get across to an audience what these people were meaning, what you think they meant. And I was getting all tied up in knots. And I listened to, synchronicity as ever, I listened to a Scarlet Imprint um, mm-hmm. interview, and they said that, um, you know, YouTube and these media platforms put people into the position where they've got to act like experts. And I thought, no, we don't have to act like experts. The, right, the that's missing the do, point of YouTube. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the thing that I want to show is the process. It's, we're not experts. We're just fumbling along like everybody else. So we're, we're certainly no better, right. no cleverer. We're maybe just, you know, doing it just now and maybe that person isn't and maybe we can inspire them to start doing right. it. And you, you can't blame the user for the symptoms of the viewer. You no, know? I was a viewer and a reader and a consumer yeah. long before I ever start, uh, thought of starting my own magical practice although i'd always been into art and writing yeah so god that that makes me think that there is a lot of rub in a way like a lot of pushback in a way for uh this glistening of what people think youtube is and it's ruining their idea of what YouTube actually is. The whole point of YouTube is that it's you're getting unadulterated, you know, honest shit. But unfortunately, that's not what the majority is probably now these days. Yeah, and, and how do you sift through the mounds and mounds of bullshit to get to those little algorithms? Gems, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, another thing is, you know, uh, the the live chat, I love the live chat because... You know, I get far brighter people in my live chat than I am. <laughs> and I think, right. well, yeah. why don't you make a video? You know, but some people just aren't 
reckless or vain or narcissistic enough to... I don't think it's that, actually. I actually, like I say, I kind of have to hype myself up. I don't necessarily enjoy live streaming and stuff. For a while, I just shrunk away from it completely. I thought, oh, my God, I know I want to do that again. Why, why would anyone want to put their own ignorance and, uh, you know, <laughs> lack of knowledge on display for all to yeah. see? But then, you know, I'm a reckless kind of guy. I love that. Yeah, no, at first, you know, with the podcast, I thought I'd, you know, maybe I should edit out all the uh, disinflections or what are they called? Disfluences, you know, and like, or all, or all of the ums and, uh, yeah. yeah. And I know, I know podcasters that do that. And to me, it sounds like they never take a breath. And I think what's so uh, lovely about, podcasting was so lovely about hearing people speak is their rhythm and is their idea of yeah, it's natural conversation when they speech. breathe yeah. yeah when they breathe they're trying to mine for these ideas yeah i actually watched a video tonight and it was like fast edits you know mm-hmm. and it was just horrible to watch i have to say I do. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah oh. it's just too busy so I do like the, you know, I think with uh, the Lost Word podcast, because Davey is such a demon on the editing skills, at first we recorded and, you know, we did, it was pretty much live, but we, we cut Kieran there. But then the last one we did was just a spur of the moment. I'd done that um, Crowley's initiation. Right. That thing, that introduction he did, prologue, whatever you call it. And I just said, let's do a live stream tonight with Crowley. Everybody knows about Crowley. And I think that was the best show we've done because it was just so natural. It flowed. And the live chat, you know, you get get an energy. It's like, you know, you played gigs. You know, you get an energy off the audience and you bounce it back. And it's it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a tennis match. You're, you're, You're throwing them something, they're throwing something back to you. And I think with recorded shows, you miss that friction slightly. I do enjoy the cut and thrust of a, a live show, although some of them have gone, you know, pear shaped for me, to be honest. This, I don't know why this made me think of it. Maybe it's because there's a, kind of a power dynamic between, you know, the that, host and the audience. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the the idea within the magical realm of like hexes of curses of of putting your for you know your intent into harming somebody else? I disapprove for a start. I yeah. don't think I would never. I, I mean, I, I have, and weirdly, this is uh, might be a amusing anecdote, but when I was in the grip of addiction, and you had like gangs kind of you know i had my little gang there and they had the, their little gang there and one of their gang ripped off one of my gang and it all got uh <laughs> so i did actually deliberately curse two people the first one now this is bizarre and i don't make shit up that is one thing about me it's all true uh mm-hmm. the very night that i cursed him uh, he had a, a terrible asthma attack and was hospitalized all my, it was my little brother's friends that were around at the time. They were like, oh my God. And then about two nights later, flushed with success and filled with evil juju, right. I cursed another guy and he had a car crash 
the exact same night. No fatalities, you know, he was, the car was bashed up, nothing too serious. But it's like, fuck, did I cause that? So I've never done that again. So I do think, you know, discounting supernaturalism as I do, that there is some mechanism for cursing people. Because I had, right. a, I had a fallout with a quite a major occultist just around the time where a terrible incident happened at work. It wasn't my fault, but I was in charge at the time. A guy left a, a pan of oil on a stove, black smoke, fire alarm went off, major incident. I was hauled across the coals for it. I was like, is that him? And it's a dangerous mindset to get into. You're looking for curses and, you know, so... Right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they do. I think it is possible. I don't know how, but... Yeah, I think they are possible, but they're unethical kids, so don't do it. Do you think there's there's some sort of reciprocation, some sort of penance? To me, magic always felt like there is some sacrifice, whether it be small or big, that you do to 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 make it happen. And really, yeah. to me, in the end, that's like you 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 want to be better, so you sacrifice what's not making you better. You know, yeah, yeah. to like put it real simply, but when it comes to putting all your focus on the will of somebody else or ruining somebody else, do you think there's reciprocation in that? You mean can it rebound and uh... not not like the Wiccan, you know, thing, but like yeah. you know, in a way, I think to me, uh, the scary thing has always been if I flooded my brain or my consciousness thinking that I could affect someone so negatively by being so negative to me that's the curse on me yeah 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 absolutely but the you know i always you know the psychological model would tell you that the person has to know they've they've been cursed before it takes effect you know because oh right that person just cursed me so i'm starting to feel all these psychosomatic <laughs> but these two people didn't know i'd cursed them at all and if i was cursed which i still you know i People private message me on Twitter saying, "My God, that sounds like a psychic attack." Have you been cursed? Have you? Uh, Dion Fortune. Yeah, I did. Yeah, psychic self defense. Great book, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, magic for me is not about hexing and power over others and binding demons. It's about creativity, joy, spontaneity. You know, living life. Um, as the master of your own destiny. That's the that's the thing you've got to do is uh, really realize that all the shit going on in your life is your life and you're responsible for it. It's not these guys out there that are making you do this. I hate people that don't take responsibility for their own shit. And it took me a long time. I don't think I was ever a big parent blamer or, oh, that's such a hard childhood. I, I, I always have been reasonably good at taking responsibility for myself. You've got to take it to the nth degree. If you pass up, you know, you've got to really embrace that idea of everything is either your fault or your credit. You know, it's, right. it's your life, you know. It's almost like the biggest magical practice is forgiveness and gratitude. Yeah. And yeah. acceptance and forbearance. Acceptance. Bravery. It's all that shit. It's it, the hero's journey. You mentioned it before. Mm -hmm. It really is. You've got to, you know, some who was it that said that unexamined life isn't worth living? 
you've really got to put your own life under the microscope. And I think that's what uh, a daily practice, although I drift in and out of it, for some reason, the Golden Dawn practice, although it's a Christian Judaic system, you know, the words are all yod Vave, you know, nothing that I believe in, but it still stimulated a response which dramatically seemed to change my brain chemistry. I tell you is, well, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's the magic. That's the mystery, isn't it? How the fuck does that work? Yeah, I was going to say it worries me when there's a system of belief that needs you to cons- or conscribe to something that is uh, daily, well, not daily, I shouldn't say, but, you know, that is so systematically and mathematically placed upon the purveyor. It's almost like an instruction manual for them to figure out how to, I hate to use the word control, but how to, how to take power from you in a way. And yeah. Um, But for me being so undisciplined and so wasted, I think that the golden dawn, which was not a, you know, it it wouldn't have been the book that I chose. It was because it fell off the shelf. Right. Is this the the new guy that runs the Golden Dawn? The uh... oh God, no, David Griffin. Yes. Yeah. Don't even mention that fool. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) Now this is by a a very bright guy called Liam Thomas Christopher. Kabbalah magic. uh, Nothing to do with the new Hogwarts Order of the Golden Dawn. Mm -hmm. Um, Very well constructed book. He pretty much takes the psychological approach as well. Um, But for me, something that I want, you know, I was far more attracted to a book like uh, Lieber, Psychonaut and Null and some of the Chaos Magic stuff. Peter Carroll, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think for for the time in my life it was, I kind of needed that discipline. And I, I, it was like a course in martial arts taught me things that I'd never done before, like have a daily routine. My daily routine was go out, score, come back, lie down. Lie down for long periods of time and dream about things that would never happen. And then all of a sudden I was really, you know, neophyte, I was getting there. Zealotar, really, I had some breakthroughs. I had some truly spontaneous visions, although I'd, I'd never stuck rigidly to... The instructions. I always felt free to tweak them here and there. As I, I think that's where I'm coming from. Is yeah, the I ability to base. engineer your own. Yeah, because I thought, well, if it was good enough for, I mean, it is a cobbled together system. The Golden Dawn, you know, it's got bits of, uh, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, bits of everything. But the the less you know, the pentagram rituals, uh, the banishing hexagram rituals, the beautiful poetic invocations, mm-hmm. the the setting, you know, set and setting, you know. It's very, I think magic is like a slow burn psychedelic, actually. It's, yeah, no, it's I like would a, agree. It almost seems like method, too. Like Lee Strasberg kind of acting. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You act it and then you eventually become it. Yeah, and have right. it. The, yeah. That's that's very perceptive, actually. That, that was floating around in my uh, thing, but I'd never quite put it like that. Yeah, no, I've I've, I've thought about that recently. Um, I think because, you know, the, the point is to 
to be the supra self, the higher self, to act as higher self. So what is that? You have to inhabit the character. You got to live in its shoes. You know, you got to do these things, which we all should do. I mean, this should be universal. Like, I think that we all have this higher inclination for ourselves. And I think it's all attainable to a degree. Sure, there's some aspects that are just, you know, you got to rough out, but like... <laughs> we should all be thinking about how to live big in a way. Yeah. 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 And I think you have to find ways of stretching yourself beyond mm -hmm. your normal boundaries, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, I used to do like crazy pranayama where I would hold my breath and then do like fire breath. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And with the psilocybin, it really felt like I was pushing myself beyond any normal boundaries and uh i always describe it as claiming you no know, reaching for unclaimed psychic territory like mm -hmm. you feel like nobody's been here before you know and that might be just a drug adult delusion but i don't really see psilocybin as a drug i see it as a sacrament i don't either i i really don't see it as a drug either and you know i always tell like my younger brothers i'd rather you smoke a uh, a joint then drink a beer in a way yeah. you know just yeah. that kind of elevation of shit yeah. but i i often wonder like is it the physical aspect we need in magic and like you're talking about you know the dragon breath sort of thing there has to be you need the exasperation yeah there has to be physicality or it's all just um pipe dreams and it has no substance. I right. think that, that it's a, a humbling of, thing, right? I think a lot of magic ritual is is pooling stuff. I mean you would say in classic Kabbalistic terms you're pooling stuff from Yetzira, the formula mm -hmm. world, into your normal everyday reality. Um I mean I do believe the astral world is basically just your imagination. I think we touched on this earlier when uh, yeah, David... but you you also said you know the collective unconscious there could be some pool yeah, yeah. of yeah. everyone's imagination. Oh yeah, that, I think that is for sure because yeah, it, you like know, there's my... an avatar of you maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely in that realm. Yeah, and, battling against it. And I am uh, a, a big fan of Terence McKenna and his uh, psychedelic um, discoveries. But he said, you know, you can be sweeping up in the ashram for years, just take one DMT trip or a psilocybin <laughs> trip, and, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to do all that shit. It's very right. instant. And a lot of the tradition, you know, um, I think if we're talking about culture, I noticed it seems to be, maybe I'm just not moving in the same circles, but there was a big move away from chaos magic and, postmodernism and everybody was like okay we're getting back into renaissance magic and like where all began the grimoires and the key of solomon now, a lot of that stuff just seems plain silly to me you know i mean it's yeah you know it just yeah it seems like a way more of a product of its time than you know the Absolutely. post idea I'm, of it I'm, I'm it's like it really why would you hard. go back to the you know the things yeah. that we we've decided were you know, yeah. outmoded. It is outmoded, and that's yeah. that's really the the path that I am on now, and especially when I've got the support of my brothers in the The Lost Word podcast, where we are 
deliberately trying to push things a little bit further, spirit boxes, technology, anything that works, you know. Just yeah. My my basic philosophy is just throw a heap of shit at the wall and see what sticks. You know? I mean, I love the idea of the last word, the last word it reminds me of Billy Childish. You know, uh the head coats. Yeah. Well, we yeah, put the 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 right. was originally a, a typo because Davy can't spell, and I thought the ah yeah the because it's like it's the perfect. temple yeah. of psych, uh, psychic youth and all that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Loss with an O V in it, but um, yeah. Uh, I really appreciate the podcast. I love I love what you're doing, and please be a part of with the hollowed. Uh, oh, I am. I'd, Just I would love. Yeah, I. What do you, know, you think all the great artists have done? They've just thought, will I risk this? You know, Picasso. Yeah. You know, I'm a, a huge Picasso fan, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say, he he probably really liked his stuff. So Yeah, I was a huge fan. <laughs> and, you know, I'm into all experimental. Expe- you know, it's just experimental. Right. Just chuck it out there and let, let it bound off people and see what fires up in their synapses and it causes like a chain reaction of genius. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. All right. I'm having to use a new editing program, so I apologize if the quality of the video is a little subpar compared to my last ones. I will figure that out as soon as possible. I'm really excited for 2020. We've got uh, a lovely gaggle of weirdos uh, coming up on this very podcast and a lot of cool projects with We The Hallowed. Be sure to check out wethehallowed.org, Patreon at patreon.com slash pragmagic. All music is by me, which is Dakota Slim at dakotaslim.net. Uh, thank you again to Sarath, Stevie, the Scotsman, the gentleman. Really appreciate you, what you're doing, and uh, stay tuned. Haunt on. <laughs>